would make it so much worse. Yay. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah. Um, well, like, hurry up. I want to get some more Fortnite dubs. I've been getting lots of solos. Is that a fucking lie? No. Are you serious? Check my recordings on my profile. I have like four or five saved of just me getting solo wow. dubs just randomly. I've only gotten four this season, but uh, I think I'm on four or five. Me and Spencer have gotten ten duo dubs. Me and John got us uh, a duo dub. We never even heard, spoke. Yeah. We didn't even I heard speak. About it. <laughs> no, it's exciting. We're not even talking. It was. That, nope. I think that's pretty impressive. It was pretty single-handed too. We were just kind of throwing grenades and shooting at the guy. <laughs> it's probably just a yeah, bot. He was, anyways, he was not bad though. Like, he was building. <laughs> and then of course Nate just everything's walks a right pot. up to the guy. Uh, everything's a pot. A, a pot. Oh my god, I smoked. All right. Well, so you want to keep talking about bullshit so Spencer can edit all this down, or are we going to talk about the uh, movies this week? I like bullshit. Uh, bullshit's right. wonderful. Yeah. How's um, your weekend, Spencer? It's fucking Thursday. <laughs> that was your that was your Wednesday, Tuesday, and Monday. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah. oh. If you're just joining us, don't blame you. You can quit out. And Please. Don't to us yeah. Again. I I don't um, know how. I, like I'm still here during half the podcast. Like <laughs> I'm surprised. Well, we appreciate your presence. <laughs> yeah, it's no um, problem. It's whatever. Well, every single week we watch three movies oh, that are always voted on by our followers on our Instagram story at those movie dudes. Uh, if you don't know that by now, get with the program because it happens Good every choose. single week. Uh, and if you're listening to this podcast over the weekend, go to our stories right now at those movie dudes and vote in our polls. Uh, so, um, the movie that won for my poll last week, it was a film from my Blu-ray collection. <gasps> I decided to pick out a movie that I hadn't seen. On the Blu-ray shelf, put it against another movie that I hadn't seen, and the winner was Hugo, the Martin Scorsese film. So that is the one that we watched for me. Well, isn't that all good and dandy, Spencer? For me, we had a, uh, you know, kind of a awfully depressing movie by Alejandro Giannarito. Uh, It is Brad Pitt's Babel from 2006. So I don't remember what it won against, but yeah, you gotta watch that two-hour and 25-minute film. Ooh, okay. Well, I can already tell where that review well, is going to go, so right. I'm going to be a little more positive and uh, talk about uh, my film, which was called Fur, colon, Fur. An Imaginary Portrait of Diane Arbus, or actually Dion, as she reminds a few people in the movie that it is not Diane, it is Dion, because apparently is. <laughs> that's important. It's, it's very game. important. <laughs> is it Dion or Diane? Dion. It's not Diane. Oh, or Deanne. I would have gotten it. Probably, I don't know. Probably both. But Nicole Kidman and Furry Downey Jr. Okay. That was quite something. Yeah. yeah. Well. Well, what? Anybody uh, Anybody want to wanna volunteer? No. Oh, we're doing volunteer now. Is this or just, back in high school or something? You don't have to volunteer your own. You could volunteer a movie that you want to discuss. It doesn't have to be your own Can pick. we discuss Mystery Alaska? Have you I ever seen, seen that? the show? I it's, haven't. Okay, for one, it's not is a, it show, a Hulu it's a show. Movie. It's a movie. Oh. Um, Jesus, Spencer. I th- yeah. I'm thinking of like looking for Alaska, whatever that no, show was. It's pretty easy oh, if you just look at the great quote. show. Oh, don't God. get me so all, all excited here, buddy. God. I don't know where that went, oh. but uh, any recommendations? Oh, okay, yeah. Um, so yeah, what movies? Yeah, you want to talk about first? <laughs> you want to talk about a little fur, a little imaginary portrait of Dion Albus Dumbledore? D- it's I, wouldn't, Arbus, I wouldn't mind actually. jumping into uh, to fur. Albus, not Albus. Okay, fine. No, we'll go with Nate's Nicole Kidman furry Downey Jr. movie with <laughs> um. 
What? That was funny. Oh. <laughs> and Ty Purell is also in the movie. Um, but yeah, so uh, my f- movie, uh, Fur, an imaginary portrait of Deanne Arbus, 1958, New York. Dion Arbus is a housewife and a mother who works as an assistant to her husband, who is a photographer. Um, but she gets the sudden urge to introduce herself to the mysterious Lionel upstairs. Yeah, lots of weird stuff. Lots of weird things <laughs> with shaving cream and um, just really odd. Hair, fur. Like, yeah, there was lots of just unnecessary fur in this movie. I didn't really know what I was getting into with this movie. I didn't, from the description alone, it does not tell you, hey, Robert Downey Jr. is going to be covered head to toe in hair. So (laughs) I didn't really know what I was getting into until he kind of literally takes his mask off and you see what the hell's going on. It was a very strange movie, man. Um, But I don't think it was bad. It was definitely interesting and weird and just messed up at the same time, but... I think Nicole Kidman was really good in the movie and pretty much everything I see her in lately, like uh, Big Little Lies and just every movie I see her in, she's really, really good. And I think I need to see her in more stuff. But this was definitely a fucking strange movie. John, you need to watch Eyes Wide Shut. I don't know. Maybe. You should. Yes. No, I would echo that. You absolutely should watch Eyes Wide Shut. Especially if you're such into Nicole Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Um, this is this is Robert Downey Jr. like two years before Iron Man, so it was, yeah. This was right after was. his whole like rehab <laughs> stint. Uh he went to jail for a couple years and then he kinda got back into the acting game. Uh, was in jail of... for a couple years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can look that he up. Was in jail only... for years? Mm-hmm. I think so. Or something like that. Um, drugs some and alcohol some, and some, some, some stuff happened but you know he made a big comeback probably the biggest you'll ever see uh, now that he's Iron Man but yeah this was before he obviously was Tony Stark I don't know because when Nate initially announced this movie last week on the podcast I had never heard of it I was like fur okay is it a classic movie interesting and then I'm like I looked it up and I was like oh 2006 Nicole Kidman it's a biopic interesting that sounds Sounds cool. I hadn't heard of it. I'm like, that must be an interesting movie. And then it goes, and it's a fucking Beauty and the Beast, like 99 cent version of the Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> and I'm like, this is yeah. not a fucking biopic. But then I caught myself. I'm like, wait a second. The title is an imaginary portrait or something. What is it? Is it uh, an, imaginary an imaginary portrait, portrait of Diane Arbus. Arbus? Fucking Diane Arbus. Okay, pretentious asshole. Um, but yeah, I was kind of interested to see the story about this, like uh, a, f- uh, a photographer's assistant uh, who's just like not really happy with her, her husband, who is a famous photographer. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was going to be like a drama or something. But it really goes to this literally Beauty and the Beast story, this fantasy where this guy has all this hair and they fall in love and. A lot of weird, weird scenes happen to follow. Yeah. Oh my god! And uh, I can see why this movie isn't really talked about because, like I said, I had never heard of this movie until he Nate said this on the podcast last week, and I was like, okay. And then I can see why now. <laughs> it's uh, I never fucking... heard of it. I did not think it was yeah, going to win, so I was just like, eh, throw it up with same a hidden life. This was like a fucking landslide of a win too. Like everyone, like everyone voted for fur. I was like, okay, I guess maybe there's just, just a, a secret following, following for this type of movie. But no, knows? everyone who but... voted for it just has a hair fetish. I don't know, but I would say Possibly. that this this movie really wasn't for me, just because I I found the movie just very 
melodramatic, kind of pretentious. This like Oscar Beatty movie, but it just didn't work with Warren the whole Beatty fantasy wasn't in that movie. story. No, not Warren Beatty. Oscar Beatty. Like that, it just was, it felt like that? Oscar bait. Oh, like when you make oh. a movie that's like. You know, he's silly. Goose. I feel like it's a movie that's trying to be Oscar bait, but in the end, people just like laugh at it like cats. Maybe um, it could have been. You know what I mean? But like, because when I, yeah, when I looked up fur for some, like I, I guess I didn't type in like fur movie, but it just came up with pic, like stills from the movie Cats. Um, but oh, that, I'm not okay. saying this movie is Cats. I haven't seen. I it. I want to see uh, what John's right. search history was when he typed in fur. His legit. I'm history. just trying to find stuff to make our Welcome thumbnail because I have to make our <laughs> graphics, but. uh... <laughs> Hmm. Yeah, I, I, um, I get what you're saying, Spencer. I just it it was just a really weird movie. Like once she finally meets Robert Downey Jr., it just goes on this weird sexual tension journey of her just like falling in love with this hairy guy. And I just ah, I can't really see where she's coming from. Dude, the shaving scene itself, I like, there's it went that, on like, for so long. Dude. I wanted to just like press the fast forward ten second button or something like. I was like, yeah. I, please, like, I am so uncomfortable. But the movie, it felt like it was this, like, dirty, like, Fifty Shades of Grey type of movie. And I've I mean, watched it, uncomfortable I, movies before, though, but this sure. was just a different level. This was on level a different level. Uncomfortable. Yeah, 100%. Um, I will say, though, uh, cinematography, I think it was very well shot, but that's because it was shot by uh, Bill Pope, who has done uh, some great, great movies, uh, and he's a great DP. Um, so the movie looked really good. Um, but other than that, I thought this movie was just kind of melodramatic blech. I don't know I struggled to get through it Nate what, what about you I'm kind of curious to see what you've thought about this I, I found it quite enjoyable because I like movies just about a singular character and I like it when stories are kind of unique you weren't sure where it was going to go you weren't sure if the relationship was going to go as far as it did or if it was just going to be like a friendship type thing um, I actually thought Ty Burrell was pretty good as the husband. Just I, I've never seen him in anything other than Modern Family, so mm-hmm. see, seeing him in something else is uh, it's kind of nice. A weird thing to see him in when you've only seen him in Modern Family. <laughs> the one thing with Ty <laughs> yeah. Burrell in this movie for me though is just like I feel like the only direction he got was like, all right, Ty Burrell, mope, mope. And he's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> <Aww. laughs> yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> Wait one second. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> and cut. Okay, but yeah, just Nicole Kidman's always charming, even though her character was a little off. I thought Robert Downey Jr. was actually really good. Like he showed a lot of empathy and pathos through his like eyes and the way he expressed himself with the mask and everything. And it was just interesting. It wasn't the most exciting thing in the world. It was a nice little story, but uh. Yeah, it was just uh, it, it was it was it was something. Like I honestly, to be one hundred percent honest with you, I didn't think it was gonna win. So when I saw it, I was like, yeah. "Hey, it's Nicole Kidman, two thousand six drama with Robert Downey Jr." Cool. I didn't really I try to pick two movies that I relatively have an interest that in makes watching. Me in hype case. though, like hearing that cast and it's like a exactly. Biopic, I'm like, okay, that sounds awesome. Uh, I think maybe that's why when I went into the movie and I got what I got, I was just like. Oh, oh. <laughs> like, oh! Did anybody else have a? Because did anybody else have a weird feeling when the credits rolled? It said Steven Shaneberg. I was like, wait a second, what? Steven Spielberg no, made no. this? And then, but because like oh. I didn't know who directed it at the time, but I was like, what? Nope. <laughs> but yeah, a double take. But 
Yeah, dude. I think I just I didn't really like Nicole Kidman's character as much as I wanted to because Ty Burrell was actually like a really good fucking husband. He was giving her all this time to kind of just do this do the stuff for herself, but in the end she's just falling in love with this with Robert Downey Jr.'s character instead when he's just holding the family down one floor below them. It just bothered me a little bit, I think. But I don't think the movie was melodramatic. I don't think it was bad. I think overall it was just kind of okay. Definitely not an Oscar worthy film which i don't think it won anything did it no as far no. as i know it was weird to see robert downey jr in this role that's for sure especially just seeing him as iron man the last 10 15 years of my life so i'm gonna go three out of five i think it was okay Made it fresh. I, I, don't, I actually i i didn't hate myself watching it there were definitely some scenes that were certainly uncomfortable but i mean obviously that's kind of what this movie is going for it's not for everybody but there is a, enough things to appreciate here that uh i can make it fresh Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, like I've said, this movie just wasn't really for me. I think I was just expecting something that uh, I didn't get with this movie. And that could have been my own fault. And who knows, whatever. It's all good. Um, but regardless, I, I was just kind of bored while watching this movie. And it was just a little over two hours. And I definitely felt the length. I do think that Nicole Kidman and Robert Downey Jr. did give good performances. Uh, that wasn't an issue at all. And it looked good. I think I was just really hoping that this was going to be like an actual biopic of this photographer's assistant uh, helping her husband out, and uh, it was a Beauty and the Beast ripoff. <laughs> so I went two out of five. In the end, she doesn't take any pictures, <laughs> really, for the most part. No, either. not really. But I went two yeah. out of five. I went pretty low with this one. I just, I don't know. Not for me. And it's got a 42% Rotten Tomatoes. I, I, was, I didn't look until after the movie. So I was like, oh. I didn't know that. Interesting. Damn. Okay. Hmm. Okay, well, I looked this person up afterwards, and I saw some of their art, and it was focused kind of on those carnival freak type stuff. We share a birthday, and so for that alone, I'm giving this movie a three and a half out of five. Um, It was cool. I like weird dinks like that that I figure out. Um, but it was just, it was a fine movie. Like, I, I, I enjoyed it. I was never bored. It wasn't anything outstanding or anything like that it wasn't like an interstellar or killer clowns from outer space um it was eh, it was meh compared to those two great movies that i just named um yeah wait what (laughs) (laughs) yeah wow but uh yeah three and a half out of five it was there it was more positive than negative uh but nothing spectacular i'm not running to bull moose to pick up the blu-ray copy if that's your thing, uh, this movie is on HBO Max, so you can check it out. Uh, we're kind of a little all over the place with this movie, but I think if it piques your interest, if it sounds interesting to you, I think maybe it's worth checking out. Uh, Especially so, if yeah. you like Nicole Kidman. For... Like, come on. Oh, yeah. Like, just... Of course. All right. Well, I'm going to suggest going uh, for movie number two. I would suggest doing Babel. You guys okay. be okay with that? Yeah, I'm totally fine with that. Okay, let's let's move on. Anyways, uh, oh, Babel so as Brad amateur. Pitt, Kate Blanchett, which I don't think I knew that going into the movie Spencer. Uh, tragedy strikes a married couple on vacation in the Moroccan desert, touching off an interlocking story involving four different families. Uh, yeah, so we have Brad Pitt and his wife who are kind of traveling uh, through the Moroccan desert. Why? I don't know. Um, and then we follow also the uh, their housekeeper who's taking care of their children back in San Diego. Asian girl who's pretty much just discovering her sexuality. She's also deaf, and there's something to do with her father. And what was the last one? There's another one. The two kids and the gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, the two kids. Didn't really know what I was getting into, but what did you think about Babel? 
This movie kind of just reminded me of Cloud Atlas, just without the sci-fi bullshit. <laughs> just kind of like all I knew that's where you were going to go. I knew that's where you were going to well, go. Well, yeah, think about it. You well, get yeah, sto- but uh, you get these different like storylines that, but then they kind of connect as you go along with it. Yeah, but, but Cloud Atlas was shit. Story. At least Cloud this Atlas was a little bit less confusing on why shit. they connect. Yes, and I'm only saying this in this terms of like the structure of the story. But, don't, but don't Cloud Atlas it, was shit, though. It, like, Cloud it was Atlas, shit. Cloud Atlas was not great. That was like the first movie we watched of that week. But Babel, they handled this story brilliantly. Yeah, yeah. Because I liked how all the stories, because they were so different. Like it did, it would just cut away. Yeah. And it was so different. And, and it was like, how, what does this have to do with what's going on in Morocco with Brad Pitt? And like, why are we in Japan following the schoolgirl flashing people in the cafeteria? Like, I just like, what is the overall point of this movie? But as the movie goes along, I mean, obviously they're gonna try to explain it. I mean, they're not gonna pull a Charlie Kaufman and just leave it for interpretation. So I was just, I was patiently waiting. And as it does, and it's it's depressing. I thought it was so worth it, and I thought this movie was so good. I really did enjoy this movie, despite how heavy it can be at times it was insanely heavy for most of the film i think uh i think for me three of the stories interconnected very well and the other one although it was definitely a really engaging story with the with the japanese girl um it they almost kind of shoehorned the connection into that movie like i don't think it was necessary to be there because it's so far removed from the other stuff going on with the kids um and the and the caretaker and then the uh, the two Moroccan kids who put the gun, but I still think it was very very well done all around. Like the the how dramatic the film was, just kind of how painful it was to watch Brad Pitt's situation and the hope just drain out of him with every waking moment that he was in that town was was insane. So um, awfully depressing, but still a very very good movie. The dir- one of those movies that you kind of can watch once and maybe you don't go back and watch it again. I don't know the direction of this movie just kind of rock my world because i think in your e2 is fantastic birdman and the revenant have been two of the best most renowned movies of the last what five or six years yeah i mean he won back to well, back, back, to back. Won best director twice right back yeah. to yeah. back yeah so. and so he's just he's able to make this even though it spans four different stories that it, it's able to make it so intimate between each one um, and seeing everything play out, whether before something happened or you see something happen, then it cuts to the next story where you see what happens leading up to that. Um, I really liked how they made it go back and forth. I feel like Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett were just kind of thrown in for star power. Just like, oh, if we're going to have these Americans, let's give them recognizable people that you can sympathize with. Brad Pitt, right, Kate Blanchett. The other people weren't, sure. weren't exactly star power. Yeah, but, uh, respect that they shot. El Fanning. We got El Fanning in the movie. <laughs> El yeah. Fanning. Yeah, yeah. She, she was, was the little the girl. Daughter. Yeah. Oh, on really? The, on the run. Yep. It was a yeah. little El Fanning. Yeah. Wow. Huh. She was the, the kids were really her. good in the movie as well. Like all the child actors, great. I, I will say. Mm-hmm. Um, all the performances were yeah. just phenomenal because that's the thing with Alejandro uh, Inarritu is that he makes the performances just seem so seamless mm-hmm. and just genuine and raw with all of his movies. I mean, especially the Revenant. I mean, that's number one, but like still same with Birdman, the way the camera just kind of glides as you're following Michael Keaton, like as he's like having a mental breakdown over this play, it's just so mm-hmm. well done. And he knows how to do character development uh, so well. 
Uh, and that's just, he was nominated for Best Director for this movie. I think it's probably one of his first nominations. And this movie got a whole bunch of Oscar love uh, for nominations. It won Best Score. Uh, Which and that was good. Yeah, it was really good as you're watching the movie. And there was one point where it's just nothing but score for maybe like three or four minutes. It's like, oh shit, like it was a really kind of an intense scene. But it was one of those scores yeah. where it's like, I don't think I could ever listen to it without watching the movie because it's so, it suited the movie so perfectly. It's situational. Like, have, yeah, exactly. Uh, because in the, in the music itself, it's very intense. It's like, oh God, like <laughs> this is like, mm-hmm. shit. <laughs> All right. That's very true. Um, but it's cool. Yeah, it won the uh, best music. So um, definitely deserved it because I thought the music was very unique and uh, served the movie very well. It was great. Was there a story that that you guys liked the most? Because for me, um, I think the most engaging one or the most tension had to be with the kids and the, the caretaker. I really liked that one um, and how they, they had to like cross the border. And then she's just like, yeah, left defender for herself. Basically, that was just insane. And that's yeah. that's the one that made me feel the most depressed. I'm like, what the fuck are these kids gonna do? I preferred the you know what I mean. Yeah, I preferred the uh, the Oriental girl story because really, when you think about it, you realize what she has gone through and what she is dealing with. So like, she is grieving over the loss of a family member, and so of course, with her being deaf and mute, she doesn't understand some of these social instances that are appropriate or not how to Mm -hmm. go about doing stuff so i feel like there's a lot of naive in that character that can be kind of relatable but just how drastic it was and then of course the the little tie-in to the rest of the stories um but her character just because she didn't speak she showed a lot of emotion through her face like the scene in the dance club where she sees her friend kissing that guy she goes from smiling and you just see her face just kind of go to, like, despair in the strobe lights. And it was just one of those stories that I just kind of lost myself in as it was going. I'm like, okay, it's, whatever happens, happens. But I really, like, enjoyed this this story. And the you, other ones uh, were great, too. You highlighting her performance, and uh, I just mentioned the Oscar nominations. She actually was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Uh, in yeah, wow. She was awesome. Um, and yeah, I mean, she was very good in this movie. And the only other role that I'd seen her in is uh, Pacific Rim, the first one. She's the sidekick oh in that really? one. I don't know if you remember that movie, but that yeah, I, I do. Uh, for me, the, my favorite uh, story, only because it was the most intense for me, was the Brad Pitt's and Kate Bunchett's, the wife getting shot, and they're mm-hmm. in this foreign country, not not being able to speak the language and not being anywhere near a hospital and trying to save like a loved one. I mean, that's just that's a nightmare situation. And anytime they cut back to that scene, it just, I was like literally on the edge of my seat. Like this is fucking intense. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. What I found out though, is as it cuts to other storylines within a, a minute, I was just as into it as I was the previous one. Like I mm-hmm. thought they all flowed really well together, even though they were so different. Uh, they, you were still equally invested. I thought, I think at first with the, uh, with the Japanese storyline, that's the one I was the most confused with. Like, why does this connect? Cause it was just so different and so far removed from the rest of the film. Whereas the, uh, the two Moroccan boys and Kate Blanchett and Brad Pitt's character instantly connected within the first 20, 30 minutes. And it's like, it's kind of that hook and that like, what the fuck moment that, that kind of ties you in. Um, I think that diversity helped it 
it, it set it in such a different landscape where the other three stories were taking place in kind of rustic. All over the world, but connected. Right. I don't want to say similar atmospheres, but similar situation type stuff. But then you go over to Japan, which was very much the city and all that yeah. lifestyle. But then seeing how one little thing can connect both of those two completely different worlds together just by one human interaction and which That's made it thing. interesting no and i i totally agree i think the other thing is that um the story with the with a japanese girl could have been its own movie there mm-hmm. was enough elements there going on with her past her mother her father and kind of just the stuff they were dealing with and her being deaf and mute and trying to like discover her sexuality through that um that could have been a very it's, it's very own movie so and, that, and that's not a that's not a a knock for the film it's just it that's why I felt it. It seemed very far removed from everything else going on. Mm-hmm. I agree. Still very good. Uh, yeah. So, mm. Spencer, what are, your, what are your final thoughts and grade for, for Babel here, buddy? Old Babel. Pal. Yeah, so I had seen this poster for so long since it came out of just all the faces. Uh, and I knew it was going to be depressing. I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to put myself through it. Finally, you you selected as one of your picks at one. We watched it. I'm glad I watched it because it is a really good movie. Uh, I definitely want to see uh, some of this other, some of his other work because I've only seen like the the mainstream ones. Directed a couple other ones that I should check out. Good performances. It's very well made. Uh, it's heavy, but I think it's definitely worth it. It's on Netflix. I would go. I'd go four out of five. I thought it was a great movie. Okay, okay, four out of five. Four out of five. Oh, what's that in my sock? Oh, here it's it's, it's a four out of five. <gasps> um, yeah, this wow. was, it was just it was just really well done, and one of those movies that even though there was multiple storylines, they tied together really well, and all of them had their own little quirks about it that made them enjoyable. And yeah, they just flowed really well. So I match your four out of five in your eats. He was definitely one of those guys who knows how to do it. He knows how to tell a story. I like it. Yeah, I like it a lot. I like, I like it. Yeah, I uh, I totally agree. I, I think this movie was, was executed really well. Obviously has great talent behind it, in front of the camera, behind the camera. Even Kate Blanchett, I will say, was very good in this movie. She was not annoying. She's a great um, fucking actress, dude. Yeah, Get over she, it. Watch She's the Aviator. It's fine. Watch the I Aviator. just hated Kate Blanchett because she was so pretentious and annoying and all about me, me, me. Okay, that was like the no. first movie Why? I saw and her Blue in other Jasmine? than like Lord of the Rings. Oh my yeah, fuck gosh. Blue Jasmine. John, I just watch, watch, I, watch the Aviator. She's a lovely lady. I would. I do need to see the Aviator. She's fantastic. It, by the way, I gotta rewatch the but, Aviator. It's great. Yeah. Well, we're not talking great about the Aviator. We're talking about uh, it was really good. I really liked it. I, I really like these movies that have these interconnecting storylines. It reminded me of Disconnect back in 2012, 2014. I don't okay. remember anything about the movie, but I know it had all these intertwining storylines. Uh, the only thing with this movie is they do intertwine, but the characters never meet. I don't know how they would have made that happen, but it would have been interesting if that kind of was part of the story somehow. Uh, but overall, I mean, there were so many dramatic moments that you kind of saw coming, and I was like, oh my god, are they really going to go to that level? Is he really going to run away from the Border Patrol? Yeah, he is. Fuck me, this is getting insane. But yeah, the the movie was ins- it was really crazy, the tension was, was unreal, but I really, really liked it. So I would I would go four out of five. Alright, wow. um, well, cool. let's see if we can do it again as we transition to the third and final movie of the week. It was a movie from my personal Blu-ray collection, so thank you for watching along, even though the movie is also available on Netflix. Uh, but it's Absolutely, Hugo. Absolutely, Spencer. Hugo. Uh, Hugo. Martin Scorsese film. Uh, one of 
uh, one of the movies from his filmography that we all hadn't seen. So, I mean, you know, got to check it off the list. Um, but yeah, this one came out in 2011. I remember it coming out and I remember just not really having an interest in seeing it. Then it got like 10 or 11 Oscar nominations that year. It won five Oscars. So I was like, nope, not going to watch it. But you know what? I bought the Blu-ray regardless. I sat on it, sat on my shelf, collected dust wow. for the last eight years. So yeah, now we watched it. Uh, this film takes place in 1931 Paris, an orphan living in the walls of a train station gets wrapped up in a mystery involving his late father. This movie kind of has some themes about movies. We tend to like those. Nate, your hands are in your face right now. What's uh, what's going through your mind? That's just what I wanted this week. Another movie about movies. You know, know, I'm getting really sick and tired of you guys picking these stupid movies about movies because you're just picking ones that I'm obviously going to like and I want you to throw in some curveballs. I can pick up Sentia. Cuz this movie was just really This movie was just I, I didn't listen to what you just said, but this movie was okay. just really charming. <laughs> um <laughs> And I, I didn't realize who it was about until I heard the name, and then I went, oh my god, I know who that is. And I, I, I love film history, so when I learned that this movie was about the guy who directed A Trip to the Moon, I was like, yeah. what? No way. And oh, I was so excited. Anything about film history like that is so awesome. It just gives me a nostalgic feeling seeing one of the original films that started off this whole hollywood motion picture phase and seeing it from the start and like how they talked about some of the movies um what did they see in the theater in this movie um oh safety last yes that and they watched like the great train robbery and you saw the train oh it was awesome and safety right back to the sign of cinema class safety last is one of the funniest silent films oh my god that's a riot i want to see it i might get it on the next criterion sale just because harold lloyd is was just a genius he was a genius, and he just stole the screen. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about Chloe Grace Moretz and Ben Kingsley. And Sasha Baron Cohen, guys. Oh, my God. Christopher Lee is that bookstore owner guy. It was just, <laughs> it was just a charming, delightful, did get kind of sad sometimes, but just magic. Like how Cinema Paradiso felt a little bit as far as yeah. childhood okay. magic. That's uh, that's how it made me feel. Right. I, that's fun that you say that because I was gonna make a note to say that this felt like Martin Scorsese's Cinema Paradiso, um, but John up there, uh, yeah, Hugo, how did uh, how did you react to this? Movie? So I've always wanted to see this movie, but I didn't know what it was about. I just knew that it was it was Steven Spielberg. Um, wait. Right, Steven Spielberg, oh Martin Scorsese, but and I just knew the filmmaking was going to be incredible. The uh, just the uh, the set pieces and everything, and and the the cast behind it. This is Steven Spielberg. I, Fuck I you really guys. don't okay? have they have the very similar now. names. They're both world renowned directors. What I was trying to say is, this is a very mainstream film, but it's about stuff that's not very mainstream. It's about classic movies, and I give a lot of these movies shit. Um, however, I have seen Trip to the Moon. I have seen like the thirteen second original train station movie whatever that's called 
The Great Train um, but Robbery. But it was well, no, that movie is like seven minutes long. The train sequence is just a random shot itself, and the actual first motion picture is called the Garden. Uh, is a Garden Hay walking scene that's like two seconds long, which is like the first film. So those all came out in like the same time period. Round hay garden scene. Look that up. Thank you. You're, Thank you you're welcome. And, and here's the thing. Nate, Nate's very into these movies, so he has all the background information about this stuff. I don't. I just know I've seen Trip to the Moon, and I probably gave it a lot of shit. Um, like, this is boring. I don't Five see any stars. purpose to this. But Five stars. I actually found it. <sighs> Damn it, Brooke. <laughs> Hi, Brooke. Nate, you're my best friend. You're my best friend. Wow. Thanks, Brooke. No, John. No, it's You're fine. You're like a cuddly no, bear. <laughs> He's, gone. He's gone. He's gone. John, you have the coolest lights. Thank you. <laughs> Brooke, do you have any thoughts on the movie Hugo? I thought it was so cute. You know, it's not often that I find... Oh, is that John's best friend? No, I don't like her. Oh, I honestly found Hugo insanely enjoyable, just learning about the history of film. And, and this guy who I've never heard of, uh, Georges, Ma- I can't George possibly Meliez. say his name correctly. George Melies. The story about him is absolutely fascinating, enough that I went on Wikipedia, read all about him afterwards. Wow, Wikipedia. Um, yeah, they have a He directed sources. over 500 movies. It's insane, dude. And and I love the, uh, the lengths he would go because he was a magician, you know, right? So he used all of his skills that he already had to create these just amazing effects that had never been seen before. Work smarter, not harder. It was so cool, dude. It really was just a fascinating movie that I enjoyed the shit out of. And anybody who appreciates cinema and kind of how it all started, or just movies in general, is going to like this one. Even though it's not really about Hugo. It's kind of about, I mean, it's kind of about him discovering this guy, but maybe it should be called Georges Méliès or whatever. Uh, yeah. I like how I mean, you still say it wrong even after I just said it. <laughs> I, I'm I'm very very white American. I can tell. I will say uh, that is kind of my gripe with it though is that even though I did like the stuff that that Hugo went through, like living in like the walls of like, the train station and kind of like running the clocks and being on the run from Sasha Baron Cohen, who is <laughs> kind of in his own little movie. Like it doesn't really. Dude, I don't know. It's, it's, his own movie. it's his own Sasha little Baron thing. Cohen. The yeah. train station guard. I was like, Although why it's, is this it's happening? still fun to see him in these types of movies with like uh, these like legendary directors because he worked with uh, Tom Hooper for uh, Les Mis and did all of his own singing for that. And obviously upcoming with the trial of the Chicago seven with Aaron Sorkin. He's like the lead in that. And he's getting some Oscar buzz in the acting category. And I think he's a great actor, a good performer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, definitely seemed like he was a little out of place in this one, uh, just <laughs> his storyline, but it was still kind of fun and it was cool, but everything that had to do with Ben Kingsley and his past and what he was going through. Like I literally wished I saw a movie just on that. I, I loved how Scorsese was shooting the movie because it, it visually is very stunning. It won Best Cinematography, shot by Bob Richardson. So it looked great. It won Best Visual Effects and all that kind of stuff. And it was cool to see how the story was being told in that aspect. But yeah, I just like I said, I just wish I saw a whole movie just on Ben Kingsley because it was uncanny by how much he looked like the real guy too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pictures. when I saw I saw the picture of him, I was like, wow, holy crap. They, they cast it perfectly. Yeah. So. I loved how yeah. Scorsese played the photographer of Melies and his wife's 
like picture in front of the studio. Yep. It was yeah, like, yeah. oh, that is Did Martin Scorsese oh, with yeah. a really bad mustache. <laughs> I'm <laughs> like, oh. I'm like, why does it actually look like he's directing this? <laughs> it's crazy seeing a Martin Scorsese like family film too. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it works. Like that's why like I it. thought it was Spielberg, dude. Like I, it just seems like a Spielberg movie to me. It just like something that he would have made, where it's got this kind of like childhood wonder, but it, it's just a, a beautifully made story as well. That's very cinematic. And did Spielberg do Tintin? Yes. Okay, that's where I was always thinking. I always, for some I reason, I, I got Tintin same and Hugo mixed up. Yeah. I don't know why, but they both came out in two thousand. Like Bark, did she sneeze? Oh, <laughs> yeah it loses its steam get it transition steam it loses its steam a little bit mm. no over here. Um, <laughs> but yeah i mean overall i was very engaged with this one. Oh, why don't you marry it then um yeah wow now this I did buy the blu-ray so there is a commitment Oof, that's a true like sign seven years ago you probably got it on sale and just put it on a shelf so you hardly had a commitment all you did was not lose it true i mean that's a commitment right there yeah. Well, I guess I can. Uh, I'll I'll give my closing thoughts. Um, Hugo was just fun. It was a just a fun little movie. I loved the music. The whole cinematography was beautiful. How they would go from showing Paris like from a wide shot, and then showing how the city itself transforms into gears, and then you see the inside of the clock, and how they were able to do all of that. And Sasha Baron Cohen, yeah, it was he was in a different world in that movie but he fit for whatever reason um but i love the cinema history stuff it's just cool and uh learning about a director like this and how that guy thought he had died in the war kind of thing and Mm -hmm. question that guy was that the same guy who was in a serious man yes michael stuhlberg Okay. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. he, he was water, actually pretty good. Name. He's a yeah. great actor, great character actor because he shows up in these like, uh, like I don't know, these like supporting roles, and he's always like, he's a chameleon. Like he blends into the movie so perfectly, you don't even know he's in it. Yeah, he's um, like, would I like to meet him? Yeah. I met him once, and how he just seamlessly transfers uh, yeah. to that, but. Fun, fun movie. Again, not the greatest movie I've ever seen, but it was definitely fun and enjoyable to the point where I would probably watch it again. I would probably own it, but uh, Spencer's beat me to that. But I'm going to give it a solid, very solid four out of five. Could be a four and a half on another watch, especially knowing that it's going to be more about uh, George Miliez than Hugo. Maybe going into that, I might like it a little more. So we'll see. We'll see. But definitely a high four out of five. I definitely agree with pretty much everything you guys are saying. I think the best part about this movie is 100% the story about George Miliez. Did I say that right? Close enough. Yeah, well, I'm never going to say it right. Super interesting. And it's crazy to see kind of just like how people would have reacted to seeing film for the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they encapsulated that really, really well. It was clearly a revolutionary time. And when the war happens and just kind of everything that would have happened to so many of his films, it's really sad that that actually did happen. But I would love to see a documentary on this guy. But this this story, the fact that it really encapsulated him as a human being and all the films he made and all the revolutionary things he did with filmmaking, um, it was really interesting for me. So. But yeah, I didn't really think any of the other stuff was as nearly as interesting as the stuff going on with him, but it was still a very good movie overall, so I would go four out of five as well. Wow, okay. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I am echoing everything that you guys are saying with this movie. I think we're all on the same page, but I will want I do want to add 
it was nice revisiting some physical media because the last couple of years, mainly with these movies we're watching uh, on streaming sites because we all have them and it's the most accessible for us to all find these movies. But literally, I noticed the difference. The second they put on this disc, it looked almost like a 4K because it was on the 4K mm-hmm. player, 4K TV, and just the quality Dude. is so much better than streaming. It's like, damn. And it could also just be because I gotta pop this movie looks so Blu-ray good. In. It's worth it, for sure. Um, so yeah, that, that was one aspect that I did. Definitely enhanced the experience a little bit with this one. So I'm going to go four out of five. Match the grade as well. Second time in one episode we've done that. Um, Yeah. It's on Netflix. Check it out. Netflix has a lot of good stuff coming out, including a movie for Mainstream Boy this week. If you guys have been listening to Mainstream Boy, you watch that yet? No, I haven't. I'm trying to. I just went on Netflix. It's the one with Todd Holland, right? Where is it? Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, Bill Skarsgård, Jason Yeah, but Clark, yeah, Mainstream Boy comes out Hayley every Bennett. Monday, and this week we're watching The Devil All the Time. So if you happen to watch that on Netflix, it's ranked number one trending today. So if, if you go by trending, which a lot of mainstream people do, including my father, I guarantee he's probably watched it already. Um, watch the movie. Go along for the review with us. Can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, if you're into dark, brutal, violent movies, go ahead. Yeah, uh, for next week's picks, we'll go ahead and give them. But for me, we have 2004's film with Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson, Starsky and Hutt. Hmm. 62% critical rating on Rotten Tomatoes, so it is fresh, so you guys are not allowed to give me shit for it. Going against the 1980 film with John Travolta, Urban Cowboy, which is about John Travolta in a bull riding competition. Ooh. So I hope you guys are ready, but is Spencer even here? He's not even fucking listening. No, he's right there. Okay, right Jesus Christ, he's <laughs> in the darkness. I had no idea. That was kind of funny though. I I looked up and I'm like, oh <laughs> I'm no, like, wait, he did get up and go. I'm like, yeah, and he's gone. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I got going on. So uh, well, that's what you, you got right, going on. Be watching very mainstream sort of comedy film. But here we go. So one of the movies that I am going to pick is a, is a film called uh, American Splendor. Uh, I think it came out in the early 2000s. It stars Paul Giamatti, but it's got some Oscar nominations. I think he's like a comic book artist, uh, and it's uh, I don't know. It's I heard it's it's done in like a unique way, and it's got like a 94% Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and the other movie is another one that's got an all-star cast. Came out in the late 80s. It's directed by Ron Howard. So a film called mm. Parenthood. Uh, Steve Martin, really? Keanu Reeves, Julie Bowen in it. Joaquin Phoenix is in it. Rick Moranis is in it. It's got a big cast, but uh, yeah, no, I I don't know much about it. I mean, I assume the title, Parenthood, but uh, yeah, those are the two movies that I'm in. Dude, I swear to God, if it's another fucking suburbia movie, oh, it's a comedy. Nathan's here. Nathan's Hi. got some uh, some movies. I, I I know it's it's not quite Halloween yet, but Ooh, I, I've, okay I've got with that. I've got their um, toes wet. A couple of scary, yeah. a couple of scary films that I'm excited. Uh, could be a possibility so the first one is the original juan the grudge <gasps> the original from japan oh, original grudge? 2002 scary. 2002 oh my goodness and the second one this one i had known really nothing about until i just looked it up um it's a f- film from 1964 it's called onibaba um and it's about heard of that. it's about this woman and daughter-in-law who survive by killing off samurai and selling their valuables well anyways that is next week's Movies. films but if you haven't already go ahead and check out mainstream boy we are releasing episode eh. 10 next week Blech. with tom holland the devil all the time <sighs> spencer i'm still working on getting that cake sent up to you 
<laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I'm going to order it at Shaw's. Brooke is going to go pick it up. We've been talking back and forth about it. You just don't know about it. I'm going to ask you about this after this. I don't believe you. Please don't, because um, I, need to, I need to text her about it. But yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, just follow us on Instagram at those movie dudes. Vote in our stories. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher for all your for all you Android users. I hate you, dude. Uh, it's okay. Get over it. Um. Then yeah, that's all for me. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Uh, boys for joining me today in our little discussion on these films uh, and uh, let's do it again next week anytime yeah. All right. anytime Spencer. and uh toodles I'm gonna go eat a cheeseburger with my cat so I've been working on a uh, cuckoo clock sound so like you know how some of the old classic cuckoo co- clocks had that made the sound so I've, I've been trying to master it cuckoo <laughs> Yeah.